What is up? Hello there. My name is Jessica Patching Bunch. You can call me JPB. And this is Brain Body Resilience. This is a podcast dedicated to growth, human development, and stressing a little bit less so you can go ahead and live a little bit more. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to episode number 104 of the Brain Body Resilience Podcast. I'm your host, JPB. And today I want to talk about living in a culture of fear and scarcity. This is something, um, scarcity is something that I have struggled with for a really long time and has roots in, you know, how I grew up as many of us, as it does for many of us. And it's something that has just kind of shown up several places recently. So I wanted to talk about it. We have these ideas of never enough, never safe enough, never thin enough, never pretty enough, never smart enough never successful enough, never popular enough, never rich enough, never having enough, never certain enough, never secure enough, never loved enough, don't have enough. And ultimately, I am not enough. I can see so many people out there in survival mode and scarcity. And it's something that I recognize not in judgment of other people, but because I am so familiar with it, that I can see it. And I also have become very familiar with what survival mode looks like in outward behaviors. And something as simple as traffic patterns point this out to me. There's this one place in my commute on the occasions that I do drive to work, which isn't often, but there's always, always traffic in this one space, simply because there is a merging situation. And I used to think it was just because people didn't know how to merge, which may be the case for some, but for others... I do believe that it is that people are afraid if they let one car in ahead of them, as merging requires, that somehow they're going to lose their their spot and they're not going to get where they're going. I see this also played out in the grocery store, seeing people around me in outwardly defensive state. And I don't know what anyone else is go, has going on. We never know what someone has going on. They may have just had terrible news, lost a loved one, lost a job. We don't know what someone else is going through, which is why positive regard is a good standard to practice with ourselves. And so while on an individual level, we may not know what someone else is going on, all of this kind of makes sense to me, the fear, the defensive state, the scarcity mindset, when we're being constantly told that our problems come from our neighbors and that we should be afraid of those who think or live differently than we do, that someone is always trying to take something from you. And also the fact that we can see all of the real dangers and scarcity and threats around the world on the news, on social media. And then in addition to that, we are choosing to spend our free time. Our entertainment is also um, filled with messages of fear and scarcity and, and activating those, those systems in our brain and in our body. Thing, uh, you know, so in this scarcity culture, when these are the things that are happening on a daily basis, we shut down, we go into survival mode. And because things like creativity, love, connection are not essential in survival, things like compassion and empathy, they kind of are put aside. They are not an essential piece for survival. And so they take the back seat. And when we're watching the news and scrolling murder podcasts and documentaries in our free time, and then we're wondering, why am I so anxious? This is why. 
I was listening to something recently where a trauma therapist and researcher was talking about one of his, you know, most prescribed suggestions for his patients recently in recent years has been don't don't watch the news, turn off the news, get off your phone. Because we and I've mentioned this here before, we are not meant to know our nervous system is does not have the capacity to process all of the threat in the world. We are meant to know about and process the immediate physical dangers to us. And so we have this constant overstimulation and constant input of fear and danger and threat from all over the world that we can't do anything about immediately. And we know that our brain does not know how to differentiate the things that are created in an internal environment or in our external environment. So our thoughts about these things, when we're watching murder documentaries, when we're scrolling on doom scrolling on social media or on the news, and we're comparing ourselves to ideas presented on the internet, these are all stimulating that stress response. And that was kind of a tangent, but when we're living in this culture where a cornerstone of pushing scarcity is selling the idea that we all want the same thing or should want the same thing. This puts us in that competitive mode. If I have it, you can't have it. If you have something, I can't have it. And that's all that that's just the the thing that I want to get into here is that we don't all want the same thing. We shouldn't all want the same thing. We we don't all value the same things. We don't all want the same kind of life. And when we're told that that's what is needed, it creates this idea that there isn't enough and that's what we should be wanting. And there's then this whole disconnect from what we actually want in ourselves, which we can feel. And that's where a lot of things like anxiety and depression come from when there is incongruence within ourselves, And then we ignore that because we're trying to keep up with what culture is telling us. We don't all want the exact same thing. We shouldn't all be striving to be the same. We should be celebrating the differences in what we want, in what we have, what we contribute to the world around us. And there is no hierarchy in this. So that's my myth number one here that I'm debunking is that we all want the exact same thing or should want the exact same thing in life. And that there just isn't enough for everyone. Yet this is a zero sum game. If someone wins, you lose. That's not the case. So we see, you know, because of this, we see the hoarding of information and the hoarding of resources because of that fear that there isn't going to be enough to go around. If we look at things like love and kindness and creativity and joy and connection, these things are proof that the more we give, the more they grow and there is enough to go around. And I'm not trying to just like positive wash, positive vibes only this whole thing, because there are very real scarcities in the world. Natural resources are becoming more scarce and opportunities are scarce in some areas. But this too, I believe to be a human creation of scarcity. The way we choose to live and how we choose to spend the resources available and the things we choose to value lead to the limitations and lack for some people much more than others, namely for black folks, indigenous people and people of color. When we look at regional distribution of resources, because I'm still very much learning about how we work together as humans and not just, you know, as an individual and the systems that are causing much of the scarcity and fear in some of these cases, very real danger as well. 
What I choose to focus on and talk about is our internal environment and what we can do to heal ourselves and show up with more capacity for contributing to our communities. Because if we're all doing that, massive changes can and do happen. But I do want to acknowledge that, yes, outside of the individual state, there are these social interactions that get incredibly complex and social systems that we live in, the societies that we live in, and the systems within those that create and sustain elevated complexity to this. So again, what we're focusing on here, as you know, I always do is what we can control. And that is ourselves, our reactions, our responses, our ability to self-regulate, and then how that affects how we can show up in the world. Scarcity mindset keeps us in a short-term thinking, in survival actions, which keep us hyper-focused on the lack. And that shuts down the ability to access our logical brain and access, access, I don't know why I said that weird, and access possibilities outside of that immediate moment and the fear that is is there. But the scarcity mentality, the focus is limitation instead of opportunity. And what currently actually exists, we lose focus on what we do have right now in this moment, which is usually far greater than we often record recognize. And when we are surrounded by the idea that it's never enough, We often forget that the things we have were once things that we worked really hard for or that we wanted so badly. And this is why gratitude practice is so powerful. I can't talk today, but uh, we're just going to keep rolling. So forgive the stutters. Gratitude practice brings us into the present moment and then highlights all of these things that we have now, again, that we probably once wanted and then quickly forgot about because there's always the next thing that we're reaching for because it's never enough. So gratitude also switches us from our emotional parts of the brain to the thinking brain that can use the logic and the rational thinking to see the space for possibility, which is so important to get us out of that scarcity mindset. If we don't believe that there is possibility for something different, nothing different can ever exist. So we have to first open up the space for possibility. Like in all things, our environment shapes us, literally changes our brain. And the people that we are around play a huge role in this. You may have heard that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't know that there's a a number, but the people that you spend most of your time with, your brain starts to sync with them. You have these mirror neurons that help in social situations and help us to, you know, create these social connections. Again, in survival, we want to be similar, similar to and understand where the people around us are coming from. This is very much what happens when we spend the majority of our time with people. We have to look at what types of attitudes the people around us have. So if you are surrounding yourself with people that always have reasons why things can't work out, why opportunities are don't exist, why there's never enough, all of this very negative, pay attention. Because this is affecting you much more than you may realize. Sometimes we can switch out of that zero sum mindset just by understanding, understanding that 
there can be win-win situations. It's not always a win-lose. If you win, I lose. If I win, you lose. And this can work because, again, what we value and what a win looks like can be different for all of us. And then when it is the same goals that we have in mind, we can actually help each other get there. And if there is only one seat at that table, bring your own chair and sit it down. Or fuck that table, build your own where there are enough seats. One of my favorite quotes is by Arlen Hamilton. And she says, be a key maker, not a gatekeeper. And I love this. And I think it is so important. I see this in academia so much. There are only so many spots in a program or so many positions, and it's very competitive. And that carries the idea that others have to suffer because I did. But that's not true. You can be the one to change that idea. You can hold the door for others. You can reach back and make those keys so that it's not such a struggle for other people. Let's all do that. I see this a lot. I think about, you know, uh, older generations who legitimately did struggle a lot. Times were harder around World War One and World War Two and the Depression. Harder in different ways. I'll say that. And the recognition of your emotions or processing of traumas or things, just how life affects you was not a consideration, which evolutionarily, when we were, you know, hunter-gatherer civilizations, I'm really just struggling with this whole speaking thing, which, you know, doing a podcast is a, is a whole thing. Um, but when we were in a state as humans in a more hunter-gatherer situation, that ability to compartmentalize was useful because if we were out on a hunt and we saw, you know, our neighbor get mauled in front of us, we still had to eat. We still had to bring back food. And so we had to be able to put that aside. But now that is a less, uh, it's a maladaptive strategy now. It's not as useful because our world does not look the same. We do not have the same survival requirements. And so all of that just to say, I see this with older generations, the, the idea that I struggled and you have to, you have to struggle to earn these things as well. And it just doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's where some of the disconnect happens generationally, uh, as it will, because we all live in different worlds as the world changes. It is not the same rules do not apply. The same way of life does not apply. The same ideas don't apply. And this is a whole tangent. And so I'm going to get back on track here. But the whole point of that, that I really want you to take in is that we can make it better for other people. We do not have to hold the door closed. We can just leave it open. So remember, your attention and focus train what information your brain finds relevant. It can only process so much of the millions of pieces of information it receives daily. And so it looks for relevant information to hold on to And what is relevant is determined by your attention. So if you're constantly in a state of I can't and it's impossible, the opportunities and possibilities that are around you will be overlooked because that information isn't relevant according to the instructions your brain has received. So this is where an idea of the ideal day practice or wouldn't it be great practice can come in useful to open up that idea of possibility. And I'll talk about that more in a little bit. So as usual, this topic that I'm sharing is close to me 
And I can relate highly with those of you who tend towards a scarcity mentality. I grew up with much insecurity and scarcity, and not just in money, but in safety, in positive and safe attention and interaction from caregivers as a child, in food. And as I look back, though, these things were very true and very real. There was much scarcity in those areas. They did not exist sometimes. But there was much more of a sense of fear and struggle and scarcity that was passed down from my immediate environment and those, you know, affecting my uh, understanding of the world that perpetuated the stories that there is not enough for everyone and that only certain types of people have enough and are enough. And so the feelings of scarcity are familiar to me and something that I have to continually practice reframing. And it's easier now that I can recognize them, but that doesn't mean that I don't get sucked in every now and again. It just means that sometimes it takes less time to steer back to gratitude and and recognition that I do in fact have what I need and what I want in life. And that I have ample opportunities to create more and different things going forward. I grew up with a sense of shame about having less, about being less, about coming from a family that was what many called white trash, and seeing visible signs of lack around me. And these feelings took root and held strong, which means that they don't go away overnight. But like I keep saying on here, one of the most magical things about being human is the fact that we have the ability to adapt and change. And our physiology is plastic, it changes. And with intentional effort, we can guide and shape new patterns of thought and belief. So let's recap all this. Scarcity mindset is very common, and it can be sneaky in the way it shows up telling you that you can't and don't have enough, and it can hijack your focus. And so here are five things that you can do to shift away from the grips of this limiting mindset. Number one, get curious. Curiosity lets us drop that judgment for a moment and see things with a fresh perspective that allows for new information to actually come in. We're not positive washing or our current or or past very real lived struggles. What we're doing is opening up the door for the possibility of something new to enter. So getting curious about why do I feel this way? What does that say about me? Where is this coming from? Is this my current belief or something that was passed down to me? Pay attention to number two, pay attention to who you spend your time around and choose people who believe in possibilities rather than those who are focused on limitations. And I know that this can be difficult, especially if we are changing our social environment. I have done it. It, you know, it's not, it sucks to have relationships fade sometimes. But the reality is your environment contributes greatly to your experience. So you have to assess what it is that you want that to be and make the necessary adjustments. Number three, choose gratitude for the things that you do have. Because if we don't recognize what we do have, no matter how much we have, it will never be enough. And so a huge contributor to shifting away from scarcity is recognizing all of the things that we do have, the little things, the bed you sleep on, all the things we take for granted, clean air, clean water, whatever it is you're listening to this podcast on, all of the things that we forget, again, that are gifts to us. 
Number four, remember that we don't all want the same thing. And there is in fact room for every everyone to win because what a win looks like will be different depending on our values and our goals. So let's lift each other up and create more space for that. And number five, Use an ideal day journal or wouldn't it be great practice to put your imagination to good use in training the possibility of the things that you do want. In scarcity mindset, we think so much of what we don't have and we get fixated on that. And then our attention is focused on what we don't want. We don't want these things to happen. We don't have these things. So if we switched our focus to what we do have and what we do want, it is training our brain to see those possibilities, to see the opportunities that might get us there. And an ideal journal, or uh, wouldn't it be great practice, is just mapping out your ideal day, given all of the time and the money and resources, whatever it was you need for that, what would you do? What would your ideal day look like? And wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if I had this thing? Wouldn't it be great if I had this vacation, took this vacation, had this new car? whatever it is, just all of the, wouldn't it be great if this thing were true? Write that all down as a way to practice imagining the things that you do want. All right, my friends, this is getting lengthy. So I'm going to wrap it up here. But if you do want more exercises on how to create some space and awareness to work with scarcity mindset, I will be putting a few resources in my newsletter this week. I don't spam you, but it is a space where I can expand a bit more on some of my ideas here. So I will put the newsletter sign up in the show notes for you. As always, I am so grateful that you are here listening. I'm so grateful to know what lands for you and what resonates and what you find useful. I truly am just immensely grateful to hear from you every time. And so if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend so that they might also find some use in it. Until next week, I hope that you have a wonderful week. We'll do this again. Peace out.